0: Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Athletic Mindset. Today's guest played college basketball at the University of Michigan, earning Academic Big Ten honors all four years, ended up winning the NIT tournament her junior year, and helped lead the Wolverines to their first NCAA tournament appearance in five years by her senior season. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome on Jillian Dunston. What's up? Hey, perfect timing. How are you? How did you get started in the sport of basketball? What kind of brought you into it? I have two
1: older sisters, and the, the middle one didn't play basketball, but the oldest one did, and my dad was the coach. So I was basically born into it, because I just started going to her practices since I was a kid, and I kind of stuck with it after that.
0: Okay. Did they like serve to guide you, I guess, throughout your career, or up to a certain point? My
1: sisters, you're saying? Mm-hmm. You know, the oldest one didn't. The oldest one played, but she didn't take it that serious. So they
0: did up to a certain point, and then I kind of took it my own way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to have, I guess, a little initial guidance.
1: Oh, uh, for sure. Because I don't know. I don't know if I would have gotten into it if I didn't have older sisters. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm grateful of them for sure.
0: Yeah. So when was it? I guess playing basketball. Did you realize that you'd be pretty good at it? <laughs>
1: So I played soccer, too, my whole life, and when I got to high school, I made JV soccer my freshman year, but then I made uh, varsity basketball my freshman year, so I kind of figured I'm probably better at this, and then I put more effort into it after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Was there like a, any game moment that you realized in high school, like, okay, maybe oh. I can do this at the next level, too?
1: I started growing in high school and then I got a lot more attention because mm-hmm. I didn't really scholarships worked my freshman year and once I started getting attention from colleges I was like okay maybe this is a thing you know so then I just kept pursuing it after that
0: gotcha and you mentioned your dad was a coach did he help kind of your decisions as well in your development um, as a
1: player I honestly, I tried to keep him out of it because I I wanted to make the decision for myself and he was so excited about everything. So after every visit I went on, he was like, are you going to commit here? So, you know, he was so in love with the process of it and all that. But I kind of wanted to make the decision myself. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel that. Um, I don't know if, you know, my dad also um, swam. So it was kind of very similar for me. Um, Yeah. But he was very hands on when he had to be, and hands off most of the time, though, which I think helped long term.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, I totally get that because dads. I mean, he was just so excited, but it could have been it was overbearing at times.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Now, as far as your motivation for the sport, has that always been kind of an internal drive for you, or were you motivated by, you know, external things such as awards and accolades at any point in your career?
1: It was definitely I've never looked for awards. You know, even when I played in college, that wasn't my style of play. I just want to win at the end of the day. And then if I get awards at the end of it, so
0: be it. So it's definitely intrinsic for sure. Do you think that helped you stick with it as long as you did? I don't know. I mean, me personally,
1: I don't know if that would have, if like depending on where my motivation came from. I mean. Yeah, that could be it, because, you know, if you look for awards and you don't get them, then your motivation decreases, so definitely, yeah, that probably strung me along as long as it did.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess now getting into coaching, have you, I mean, you're coaching more college level, have you coached younger kids and stuff like that, too?
1: Only through camps or clinics, never for a long
0: time. Yeah, that's one of the things I don't struggle with, but it is interesting to me is when I'm Coming across kids, I can definitely tell which ones it's an intrinsic motivation for them, and which ones are like, "I'm only here because my parents told me to," or (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah, Um, exactly. That's good to know. What about your college recruiting experience? How'd you end up deciding on Michigan? When? What other schools were you looking at? The
1: recruiting process started my freshman year, and then so I wasn't. I started getting stronger and taller throughout high school, so I was first starting off with mid-major offers, which nothing's wrong with that, Mm -hmm. so my standards were different, and then probably into my sophomore year or middle of my sophomore year, I started getting power five offers, so then I kind of made a list of what I wanted in a school, no matter if it was mid-major or I major D1, and any school that came the closest to check all those off that's the one I favored, and that's, and that's what Michigan had for me. So that ended up working out really well for me. But um, my other two, my next choice was going to
0: be NC State. I was really, really close to going to NC State. Mm-hmm. So, what, yeah. what were some of those factors you were looking at during that college process? Um, it was definitely like if
1: it was a family environment, if the coach, if I felt like the coach was going to help me progress in my career, if I had a chance to play, like what the opportunity was going to be like. Not even my freshman year, because, I mean, very few freshmen get to actually get some burn their freshman year. Mm -hmm. So it was just that over time, if I would have the opportunity, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go somewhere I could make an impact. I wanted good academics and a football team. At the time, I was 16, so a football team was a must. I don't know why, but (laughs) uh, Michigan checked up all those things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you have any advice out there for people that are currently going through that recruiting process or might be coming up on that soon?
1: I would say don't get caught up in the hype because, especially, you know, when I was being recruited, Twitter and all that stuff wasn't that big of a deal. But now it is, and people are posting their top five, and, you know, that can make you get a little insecure if your schools aren't even close to that. But, you know, make the choice that's best for you. Don't compare your journey to other people.
0: I think that's really well said. I talked to another person that his best advice was to kids need to stay off Instagram and uh, stop, stop worrying about other people and just focus in on their own, their own success, their own career. And that's what matters the most. Now you transitioned um, to college. What was that transition like? Did you notice a big jump in either gameplay or game speed at the NCAA level? Um, Yeah, for
1: sure. The speed was a huge change for me. I was, I struggled a little bit with it in terms of getting my shot off. I mean, physicality, I was fine. Even, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I could run with them, whatever. But in terms of decision-making, getting my shot off, remembering plays. My freshman year, it was so hard because everything is so fast. And, you, and the quicker you can pick it up, the more you'll play. So
0: so it's, it's real when they say, like, you know, I, I think mostly with football, like, making that transition, like, people just aren't ready for that game speed. And just... Oh, yeah you could be a smart player, but just how quickly those decisions and the plays develop really impact your game. Would you yeah, say that's pretty that. true? Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I would agree, awesome. I would 100 Now, you mentioned you had to work your way on to some playing time there. Was it tough kind of coming from an environment in high school where you were more or less a star of the program and now you had to find yourself more in a role player role and then working your yeah. way onto a starter and all that?
1: Yeah hard as heck. I cried sometimes, but I mean, over time, you kind of just learn to embrace that role, and mm-hmm. that I think is the best, because if you sit there and pout, then you're really not going to play. You know, you think you're not playing now, and then you really won't play. So, I just tried to turn myself into a team player so I could maximize my playing time. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any tips, I guess, to help your mindset stay positive there?
1: Just keep getting better, you know? I think, I think people think they deserve more than they're getting, mm-hmm. but... Um, At the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. So if you were good enough, you would play. You know what I'm saying? So just keep working to prove that you are good enough to play and that you deserve the playing time that you're demanding. Mm -hmm. That's
0: what I... Do you have... Like, how do you approach your training each day? And then do you have any kind of tips or tricks for those people that, you know, you're going to have days where you don't feel like training? How did you get yourself up and get through those practices and those workouts?
1: I think I just knew other people were getting better. So why shouldn't I be, you know, although on days it was hard. I didn't want to train for the mile, all that good stuff. But you just, I mean, you have to, either way you have to do it. Mm. And, you know, when you report back to campus, you're either in shape or you're not. So why make yourself suffer when you get back to campus? Just start it now so you can be as prepared as possible.
0: Did you have, did you guys have a lot of players that would come back um, from either like summer break or longer breaks? Um, out of shape and not ready um, or not really
1: Not really I mean there were stragglers mm-hmm. who, Because their motivation was very very low but I mean I think they have that in any program and that was that's the risk They're willing to take but either way I mean they got back into shape eventually but but they weren't ready like the rest of us
0: Yeah, I remember coming back from summers and there are some teammates of mine That were like, oh yeah, I didn't swim for three months And I was like, what what do you mean? You didn't, like, you're on scholarship. What? Yeah, exactly. You're getting paid to do this thing. Um, It amazed me just people would do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, During the game itself, though, did you use any mental strategies to kind of help stay positive or keep you locked in? No, I I
1: was pretty zoned in during the games. I mean, some days, you know, those days where my advice would be, like, on those days where you overthink, just, like, you know, take some deep breaths and zone back in. Because those days where you overthink are, are the days are probably your worst games. So just, I
0: mean, I just always tried to get myself to dial in all the time. Mm-hmm. Any tips on how you di- like how you could dial in? Did you find something that worked for you? Um,
1: I don't know how to describe it. Like, I, I, don't know. I don't know. Like, it was showtime, you know? You just know you come to do a job and, and you just got to be ready. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready.
0: I think that's one of the, the most interesting things about me endeavoring into this podcast is trying to really find out these, minute new things I'm finding yeah. more and more people are just like, I, I never really thought of it. It just kind of, it happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: which is interesting in itself as well. Did you have a pregame routine?
1: No routine, but I put everything on the left side first, like left sock, left shoe, left leg in the pant first. I don't know why, but I always did
0: that. Would you say it was superstition, or just kind of habit? Um, yeah, hardly, yeah. I, I was super superstitious
1: as a kid, and then when I got to college, I literally stopped caring, because I was like, this has no effect on the game. But I always did the left foot first.
0: That's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, the game, when you're playing, it. obviously it won't always go your way. What would you guys do as a team, or you individually? Uh, to try to make it go your way, to get it right, and kind of right the ship before, you know, it's too late and you lose.
1: I think you just got to kind of stop the bleeding as much as you can, because um, you're going to have off days just how you respond. So if everybody parts away from each other, you know, no, there's no camaraderie or anything like that, I think those are your worst days. But if you can try and stop the bleeding as much as you can, even if your teams are making shots or whatever, like, do the little things like go get rebounds, get stops on defense, you know, and then
0: everything will will um, transfer over, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. And you talked about being in the zone um, during a game. What would that feel like to you? And did you ever find a way to possibly get yourself there a little bit more often but not? I don't
1: really think so. I just think if the game got more intense, then I was less likely to, my mind was less likely to waver, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody, I don't really know how to describe being in the zone, but it's just this point you reach where you almost don't even remember because you're so focused, mm-hmm. so.
0: That's what I remember about it, too. It was just kind of like, I couldn't tell you what went through my mind. It just, it happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just happened like that. Um, did you practice any, like, positive self-talk or... Anything like that during your playing time?
1: Yeah, definitely. I um, I would see sports therapists, and they would help me a lot with that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, but it depends on how much you practice it, too, you know, so your mind knows how to respond. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of training, I will say.
0: What were some of their tips that they had for you? It was taking yourself to the zone where
1: you're not distracted, like zoning in and deep breaths or words that that trigger you to the point where you're like, okay, or, or words that would eliminate any negative thoughts you had in your mind. Those are all their strategies. Just, it was basically you learning ways to battle yourself in a good way. Like how to stop yourself from thinking this, or why would you think this when you're productive in this area or things like that? Mm-hmm.
0: What would you say? Like your mantra was that you would say to yourself, did you have one? I did have one. I don't
1: remember it at this point. <laughs> Sorry, it was two years
0: ago. I did have one, though. It's amazing how, like, it can be so important to you, but, like, it goes as well.
1: Yeah, and not two years later. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, each year, based off looking at stats and following your career, you you progressed each time you ran it. Each year, as you grew up in, at Michigan, talk yeah. to me, like, how were you able to do that? A lot of people, I feel like, plateau at some point in their college career. How did you keep getting better? So, my first two
1: years were pretty rough. I mean, I I was struggling my freshman year with, with the speed and everything. Then my sophomore year, I couldn't get my head right, and I just felt like I should have been playing more. So then my junior year, I worked so hard to, to prove myself, and I was able to do it. And then my senior year, everything was flowing so smoothly. So... I don't really know. I mean, my coaches help me. I set new goals every year and then able to accomplish them year by year. Mm -hmm. So also helps, you know, the people around me definitely pushing me harder.
0: It's definitely all about the environment. I think in that case too. Yeah, for sure. What would you say it was like to help Michigan reach their first NCAA tournament appearance since 2013 uh, in your senior year? Yeah, that was crazy because my junior year,
1: I felt like we should have gone and we went to the WIT and that was the year we won it. But I was devastated. I was like hysterically crying when we weren't in the selection show. Mm-hmm. So the next year, me and my other teammate, Caitlin Flaherty, we decided, like, hey, this is our team and we have no other choice but to make the tournament. So, I mean, it was a pretty triumphant moment. Like, we were so thankful because the class ahead of us never got the chance to play in it. So, you know, we were pretty determined.
0: Yeah, and how did you, I didn't realize you guys went to uh, the NIT the year before and won it. How did you guys handle that, I guess, adversity of and shock of not making the NCAA tournament, but then turning it around and yeah. winning the tournament that you got into instead?
1: Yeah, we were, I mean, we were so stuck, like I said, and um, I let the you know, like, the only way we can prove to people that we didn't deserve to be in here is if we win the whole thing. Because then, if you don't win the whole thing, then they're like, okay, you didn't even deserve to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So then we, we won it in a triple overtime game. I mean, that was crazy. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, bet, I bet that's got to be fun, though, to be on the winning side of. Oh, for sure. Now, like you mentioned, Michigan historically has been a great program um, in sk- school in general, especially in sports. How did you handle those expectations and I guess the standard that's expected of you as a student athlete at University of Michigan? I think what helps is that every student athlete is
1: held to the same standard, you know, no matter what sport you're playing in. And there's an academic center for athletes that you can confide in and everybody's there to support you. You know, there's so much support so that you don't feel like you don't belong academically or whatever, like if you're struggling, there's so many people to help you. So I didn't really necessarily feel pressure You know, I just felt like in the event that I, that I was unsatisfied with my academic performance, there were so many people I could turn to. Mm -hmm. So they they make it easy for you for sure.
0: Awesome. And you just hit on it too. Um, Academics is a huge part of college athletics. Uh, Yeah. And you ended up being academic all Big Ten, all four years you were there. Super impressive. Congrats on that. Thank Uh, you. How were you able to handle that, your academic workload, along with the stress of playing basketball?
1: I think it's all time management. You just got to get a routine, you know, and stick to that routine. So, you know, your schedule's going to be crazy with basketball stuff, like in terms of weights, training, practice, whatever. So if you have a test in a week, you should probably start a week and a half earlier with your studying stuff So you can space it out. So because I mean in college basketball or any other college sport You cannot cram for a test like there's just no way especially if you have practice and training table that study hall, Whatever it may be. I mean your schedules packed So you just have to prepare yourself the best, you know, by time management and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah I feel like I never had the mental capacity just because I was so physically drained um yeah from practice i couldn't cram because i'd just be like oh i'm gonna sleep like i fall asleep try to do it what was i guess the biggest takeaway that you had from the game of basketball that's helped you personally now i think it's that everybody comes from different walks of life you know and i think you kind
1: of don't learn that until you leave where you're from Mm -hmm. and you just see so. They'll come from different backgrounds so other people haven't gone through what you've gone through or you haven't gone through what they've gone through but you just have to learn like how to get along with everybody and how to talk how to approach them and things like that you know because not everybody's going to respond the way you you've been exposed to at home or whatever so you just kind of got to learn how to work with everybody and how to cater to everybody's emotions and things like that
0: very well so now I we touched on it a little bit you're recently transitioning now. Into a coaching role. What's that been like being able to see the game from a different side of things? It's a different perspective. Yeah. Oh, it's so different from recruiting to coaching
1: to planning and prepping and all that stuff. I mean, it is so different. And even being a GA, so you do all the grunt work, like you don't realize what people do for you when you're a player or like how much you're really catered to. So it's so different in a good way, but I'm glad I'm learning about
0: it, you know? Mm -hmm. What's it like? I mean, you're right away at the college level, so you're not really much older than the players that you're coaching. Is that a little weird? Um, It's not weird because I'm in a filler role right now. Okay. I think it
1: would be weird if I was an actual assistant because I'm only a year older than the oldest player on the team. Uh-huh. But I think it's good for this role because I'm kind of their li- liaison a little bit. Like I'm a bit in between. Like If something's going on with them, I can tell the coaches if the coaches want to – communicate a message to them, I can tell them, and and we can hang out and stuff like that, so I I like my role right now, Mm -hmm. I
0: do. You're more of the cool coach. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I know how it is, I mean, like I said, coaching, I coach younger kids, um, 4 to 18, and it's really funny, I've been doing that now for 8 years, and (laughs) I think when I first started, I was definitely considered the cool coach, and now, (laughs) as I'm aging, I'm quickly... I'm no longer the cool coach. I don't play Fortnite. I don't do yeah, exactly. whatever it is the the kids these days are doing. It's kind yeah. of funny to see my role change. change yeah, Oh, for sure. for sure. What's one piece of advice that you have for that kind of next generation of athletes that's maybe looking to take on the role that you took? I just think you have to be prepared to work. You know, nothing's
1: going to come easy. And it seems like it when you're young because you're giving everything as you should be. But I think you just have to be prepared for reality, almost. So you have to be prepared to work like nothing is given to you at all once you start playing.
0: So you just got to grind your butt off and, and get what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that, what would you say your hardest practice was or, like, training moment? Do you have one in particular that you remember? Probably, like, emotionally or physically, sorry. <laughs> Either or both. <laughs>
1: Probably my freshman year, you know, the coach was on my butt. She wanted me to get so much better, but I think some people have their breaking points. So she had kicked me off the court, and in my head, I'm like, she doesn't even think I can play basketball. So for the rest of the hour and a half of practice, I was weeping. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was tough at the time, but when I look back, I think it built me, you know? But I think it was, yeah, that was one of my tougher times. And then physically... You know, those con- conditioning sessions after a summer workout sometimes, you know, one time I almost had a mental breakdown because I couldn't breathe. But, again, it built me. It builds character. You do survive in the end. Um, I think that's the moral of the story. You know, you are going to survive. You are going to be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's that's the fine line in the coaching side of things, of learning how and when and just how far you need to push people. Yeah. Exactly. And then also, at the same time, knowing when to back off. Because yeah, at some exactly. point, too much becomes too much, and you yeah. might have your athletes experience burnout. Yeah, very true. Did you experience burnout at all as a player towards the end of your career, or not really?
1: Um, no, not at all. I was just ready to end my career because my body was so much in pain. Like I, I mean, after every game, I couldn't even walk or practice, so i didn't have burnout i loved i loved playing but i mean i was ready to stop too at the same time thankfully i could walk away not everybody has that
0: luxury yeah definitely something to be grateful for what's last thing here what's one piece of advice that you might have learned about mental toughness that someone might be able to implement into their day-to-day lives you got to push through you know it's only you can stop yourself
1: basically or you know, you think, it's, you think it's other people, like they won't let me do this, I can't do this because they say this, but really at the end of the day, it's you. Like You create your own destiny, you know, you gotta fight for yourself, or in some cases, fight yourself if you're the negative mindset. Just always, I mean, get to where you wanna go, so you, and it's not gonna be easy. It's never gonna be easy, so you gotta push through that wall
0: at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think that's very well said. If you're able to turn it internally, and be like, what can you do better? And you stop worrying about what you're given by other people. Exactly. Then then you can control the narrative of of how things go. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jillian. I really appreciate it. Of course. Best of luck, I guess, this upcoming season. I'll uh, be sure to follow along. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to be able to share Jillian's story and what really allowed her to be successful in her basketball career. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and rate The Athletic Mindset five stars wherever you follow us at. If you learned something useful from today's conversation, pay it forward and share it with someone you might also think will benefit from it. I'll see you all Friday as I welcome on multi-event American record holder and Olympic gold medalist Tom Shields. Have a blessed week.